Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Hello. Oh, she uh, walk it like a talk it. Walk it. Walk it like a talk it. Walk it. Walk it like a talk it. Woo. Walk it like a talk it. You. Walk it like a talk it. Walk it. Walk it like a talk it. Walk it. Walk it like a talk it. Woo. Walk it like a talk it. Hey. Walk it like a talk it. Walk it. Walk it. Deeper, deeper. Getting deeper, deeper. Bunch of fly dudes pursuing truth. Oh, that didn't quite roll, did it? Anyway, hey, yes, you're in a special snack treat today. The play of the day is going to be Jogging Jesus, way more Jogging Jesus. And uh, yeah, he brings it. He brings it. It's it's hard to imagine. He's a full-time engineer. And this is one of his first sermons he gave ever in 2019. So buckle up. Get ready for some more Jogging Jesus. Here's your play of the day. The play, the play, is play. of the day. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Swung on and hit in the air to right. <laughs> and that ball is gone. And about growing in holiness. And so you guys can start by opening up, uh, opening to 2 Timothy 3.16. It's going to take a little while for us to get there, but just be prepared. So while you're getting there, I have a question for you. How many of you guys have swam in the ocean? All right, a good deal of you. So confession, I've actually only swam in the ocean one time. And it was on a missions trip. I was, coach, I was co-leading a missions trip with Kelly Thielen, actually. And we were in Guatemala, and it was something like the third day. We knew that we were going to be going to a village that's right on the ocean. And we were pumped because we had just bumped through all these gravel roads. We're sweating through our clothes, and it's just hot. And so we're pumped to get into the water. And so we finally get to the, we get to the village, and a bunch of us just go head down to the water. And we dive in, and we start swimming around and having a great time. But then I look towards the shore, and I realize that one of the guys with us is just watching us. He's just standing on shore watching us have fun. And so this caught my interest, and so afterwards I asked him about it. And he starts telling me a story about how he's actually been on this trip a few times. And just to preface this story, uh, the water that we were in, it wasn't your typical beach. It wasn't nice and sandy and calm. Like the water was dark. The swells were large. The water or the waves were the type that would hit you and you'd just go tumbling under the water. You barely get out of the water with your clothes on, honestly. And... So he starts telling me how the year pre- or previous, uh, he basically, he, he tells me how uh, they, just like with us, they start swimming and they're having a great time in a beach that is very similar to this, the turbulent water. And they're all having an awesome time until it's time to get out. And as it's time to get out, everyone on shore starts looking back and they notice that three people from their group are in the water and they're swimming as hard as they possibly can and they're getting nowhere. And right about this time, a villager runs in with all of his clothes on and swims out there and now he's stuck out there. And so the people, they're like, we don't know what to do. So they huddle up and they start, they start praying and they're like, God, please, please save these people. And as they're praying, two of them come bobbing in and they finally make it to shore. But now it's still the villager and another guy stuck out there. And 
And so they're like, God, please, please, we're helpless here. We're in the middle of nowhere. Please save him, save them. And finally, they start swimming and swimming, and they finally make it to shore, and they just collapse. And actually, the villagers' pants are ripped off of him. And so now here's the thing. What happened was as they went out to a certain point without knowing it, there's something called an undercurrent. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've heard about this. And so they'd be out there, and they'd be having a great time until it's time to swim against the current. And at this point, you realize that the water, this flow of water is extremely powerful. And unless you are a very experienced swimmer who knows how to navigate the water, it's going to try and sweep you out to sea. So here's, here's why I bring this up. Whether you know it or not, you and I are in a cultural current. We're in a current that says when it comes to faith, there's no such thing as absolute truth. All truth is relative. So whether you're a Christian or an atheist or a Buddhist or a Hinduist, it doesn't matter. That's you. You do you. That's your truth. Now, this seems open-minded. This seems tolerant. This seems accepting, doesn't it? That is until you try and make an absolute truth claim. And as soon as you try and claim absolute truth, something like if you say, actually, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He says that in John, 13, or John 14, 6. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. So as soon as you start making these absolute truth claims, you realize that you are like the person who is trying to swim against the current, and that current will either try and drag you with it or drown you altogether. I've had this happen so many times. I'm an engineer, and so, so I've talked to people who are constantly like, you do you, but as soon as I try and say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, they immediately turn on me. So what does this have to do with growing in holy living? It actually has everything to do with it. Because what it means to live a holy life is what God says in, in Genesis 1.26. He says, male and female, I created them. In my image, I created them. See, you and I, we are created to be mirrors of God. Whether you're a Christian or an atheist, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not believe in God. Your purpose on this planet is to be a mirror of God to reflect his image to the rest of creation. So let's say, let's say after I leave here, I, I head up to Target, right? And I buy a mirror. Excuse this one, it's like from, 19, from 1830, but so let's say I buy a mirror, I bring it home, I hang it up on my wall, and tomorrow morning I'm getting dressed for work and and before I leave, I want to make sure that I'm presentable. So I look in this mirror. And let's say instead of it showing my image, it shows me as a seven-foot-tall Kenyan. That'd weird me out, right? But let's say I'm in a hurry, so, so I head off to work. And, and when I come back from work, I want to check it out again. So I look, and this time it's not a seven-foot-tall Kenyan. It's showing me as a five-foot-tall Asian lady. This would really weird me out. At this point, I know that the mirror, there's something up with it. So let's say I bring it up to Target and I start telling the lady behind the counter what's going on. And let's say her response is, sir, 
Don't you know that there's no such thing as absolute truth? All truth is relative. Does it really matter what image it shows in the mirror? It matters, doesn't it? It matters because the reason I bought that mirror was to reflect my image so I know whether or not I'm having a bad hair day before I head out of the house. So what you have to realize when it comes to living a holy life and reflecting God correctly, there are absolute truths when it comes to God. And so how do we know? Like, like we're in church, right? So how, how do we know what God looks like so that we can reflect him correctly? Because if we go with this culture that says God is whoever we say he is, we are just a broken mirror that is just showing different images and whoever we want to show in our reflection. So how do we know what God looks like? It's Jesus, right? You're in church. You should have expected that answer. But how do we know? Like Right after Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, one of his followers comes up to him and he says, Jesus, show us the Father so that we can believe. And Jesus responds, Philip, have I been with you this whole time and you still don't know who I am? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What Jesus is saying here is, Philip, I am God. Anything that I say, anything that I do, just take it as if it's from God because I am him. So how do we get to know Jesus better? Do you know that the Bible is the only document on this planet who has eyewitness testimonies from the people who followed Jesus, walked with Jesus, and wrote about what Jesus, most intimate moments of Jesus' life, the miracles and the teachings of him? You won't find it in the Quran. You won't find it in the Holy Pibi. You won't find it in the Hadiths. It is only the Bible. So let me ask you, where does the Bible stand in your life? Like, when you read it, if you read it at all, do you read it and go, and judge it and say, you know, I believe that this is true, but I believe that this is false? Or do you allow the Bible to read you and determine what in your life is true and what is false? These are two completely different ways of reading the Bible. Do you know that we had a president, Thomas Jefferson? He read through the Bible and anything he didn't like, he cut out. Anything that had to do with Jesus being God and anything that had to do with miracles, he would cut it out. And at the end, he had a book, but God was no longer the author of this book. Jefferson was. So who do you think was God in Jefferson's eyes? It was himself. If you're sitting here choosing what is true and what is false, you're making yourself a God, and we do it all the time. I'm guilty of it. And so let me ask you again, where does the Bible stand in your life? Because I can tell you where it stands in the lives of millions and millions of believers your age all around this world. It's everything to them, you guys. Everything. They are giving up and willing to give up everything. Family, school, friends, and sometimes even their lives. Up on the screen here, this is a 16-year-old African woman named Leah Sharibu. And because of her faith in Jesus, she has been abducted by a radical Islamic group, has been tortured, imprisoned, and all she has to do to be sent back to her family is turn away from the Bible and denounce Jesus as Lord. 
That's all she has to do. But because she knows that her, her life here on this earth is maybe a max of 80, 90 years, but her relationship with Jesus is infinite, she will not turn away from him. And so the torture continues. The imprisonment continues. She's there right now. Do you guys love the Bible this much? Do I love the Bible this much? You know, I don't know because I've never had my, my faith tested to that point. But I really, really hope I do. This, this is the word of life. It is living and active. You guys should have your Bibles open to 2 Timothy 3.16. Let's read it together. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Did you know that every sentence of this is breathed out by God? Do you believe that? Because our culture does not believe that today. You've probably heard this. This book is old. It's outdated. It's dying. Don't you guys know that Christianity is a dying belief system? I always hear it. But I want to tell you that the opposite is true. Just last month, over 65,000 college-age students traveled to Atlanta, Georgia, and packed the Mercedes-Benz Stadium full. You should see an image up here. That is what it looks like when 65,000 people gather. And do you know why they gathered? To hear what the God of the Bible has to say. They spent almost three days worshiping him, praying to him, opening scripture together. And at the end of this, these broke college students gave over a million dollars to help those in need around the world. But a large, a large portion of this money actually went to translating the Bible into other languages. Because, as I said, there are millions of people around the world who do not have access to the Word of God. For us, we, I have so many copies of this in my house, and it's just natural for me. But they have never had the chance of reading even one verse because it's not in their language. And so these college students raise all this money. But why do they care about it? Why do they care so much about the Bible that they would, that they would give up their time, their energy, and their money for this? Two polls were taken of these students. The first was, what are you struggling with most in life right now? The first answer, body image issues. I wish I was thinner. I wish I was more curvy. I wish I was more muscular. I wish I could grow facial hair. I wish my teeth were straighter. I wish my skin was clearer. I wish I looked different than I look. I don't like how I look. Is that you? The second answer was anxiety and mental illness. This feeling of no matter what I do, I'm always worrying about tomorrow or what people are thinking about me. I feel like a ball of knots on the inside. What are my grades going to be like? Am I going to get into this college? I'm constantly worried about something. Did you guys hear about Instagram? They're running a test pilot right now where they're going to remove the like button off of their platform. They've already started in seven different countries. 
You know why they're doing this? Because we have known for years that social media plays an intrinsic role in our mental health and how we view ourselves. Now, now hear me. Mental health is far deeper than just social media. So if you struggle, please get medical help. That is a gift from God to you. But when it comes to social media, we know that it has damaging effects on us. And so, you guys, the second poll, there was a second poll. So the first poll was, what are you struggling with in life? The second poll was, what are you seeking in life right now? The top three answers, love, peace, and purpose. Are you seeking these things? Where are you seeking them, though? Are you sitting here? Are you sitting here on your phone, just scrolling, going, love? Does anyone love me out there? Does anyone care about me? Can I even get so much as a like? Peace. Where's the peace in this world? If I look at the news, if I look at social media, it's like there's nothing but division and hatred. And now we might be going to war with Iran. Where's the peace in this world? Purpose. Please, someone tell me that I have purpose in this life. Do I have any meaning at all? Or when I die, am I going to become dust and be forgotten about? Where are you seeking these things? If you're seeking them anywhere but the Bible, anywhere but God's word, you're at the wrong address. You are knocking on the wrong door. You guys, if you want peace, get to know the Prince of Peace. If you want purpose, get to know the one who stitched you together inside of your mother's womb, who knows the very hairs that are on your head, the very reason you have breath inside of your lungs today. And if you want love, get to know the God who so loves you that he gave his only begotten son. And I'm not talking about him loving some prettied up Instagram version of you. I mean, he loves you, like that side of you that you hide from everyone else because you feel like, you feel like if they knew that, that they couldn't love you. God knows it and he still does. Did you guys ever have this happen? Like when I was a kid, I'd walk into a room and I'd, I'd look at my dad and I'd say, I love you. And he'd put his arms out as far as they could go and he'd, he'd go, buddy, I love you too. I love you this much. Ever happen? What's he doing in that moment? He's giving me a visual of how much he loves me so when he's gone, I still have it in my mind. Do you know that the day that Jesus went to the cross, he knew every single sin that you guys would ever commit? Everything you would ever do, everything you would ever see on a computer screen or on your phone, every thought that would go across your mind. And yet he still chose to have the flesh ripped off of his body, a crown of thorns beat into his skull, and stakes nailed through his hands and his feet. And with sweat and blood dripping from his body, with his arms stretched out as far as they could possibly go, he is saying to you guys, right now, in this moment, right where you are, I love you this much. I love you this much. Why do these college students care so much about the Bible? 
Because you can search every library, you can search all of Google, and you will not find a love like the God of the Bible has for you. And so as, as I'm getting ready to close, those of you guys who are going to be college students in the next couple of years, this isn't, this isn't fear-mongering. This is just a warning. If you go off to college and you, and you aren't involved in a good Bible-believing church, and if you aren't continuing to grow in your relationship and knowledge of Jesus through digging into his word, you are very, very likely to become among the next 30 to 50% who shelve their faith in the next 10 years. You are. College will test your faith in ways that you can't even understand right now. I've had professors at the front of the classroom mocking Christianity. I've had friends who thought that I was a buffoon for believing the Bible. And one class, the only way you could get extra credit is if you wrote a paper about why the God of the Bible is a tyrant. It's just this mocking, 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 testing, testing, testing. And this testing is really good. It's really good. Because if you make it through the other side of it, you're going to be closer to Jesus. You're going to have a stronger relationship and knowledge of Jesus than what you've ever had before. But study after study shows that the way that you grow most spiritually is reading the Bible, being in Scripture four or more times a week. And so we need to read this word, you guys. And so that's what I want to encourage you. As you guys break into your groups, please talk about this. Start talking about how you guys can encourage each other to dig into the word on a daily basis. But in order to incorporate anything new into your life, you have to answer two questions. When and how. When are you going to start reading? And how are you going to start reading? Is it going to be when you wake up in the morning or right before you go to bed or at lunch when, you, when you're at school or on the bus? And are you going to start with a reading plan? Or are you going to read five minutes a day as just choosing a book? But you have to. It's just like with sports. If you guys are in sports, you know that you have to. You're going to go to practice at a set time, and your coach is going to have a set schedule for you. Because we as hum humans, we drift. And you're not going to drift forward. And so if we understand this with sports, why do we just expect our faith to grow as we get older? You have to work at it. A relationship with Jesus takes work just like any other relationship. And so, just in case you guys are hearing me be legalistic, I want to clarify one last thing. We do not read the Bible to make God love us more. We don't. He already loves us an infinite amount. The amount of knowledge that we have does not change how God views us. But it will change how we view God. And so we read the Bible because it is a love letter from our creator to us. And the more we read it, the more we get to understand who we are and who God is. And it stirs up our affection. Man, you guys, let's start, let's start taking this seriously. Let's start really hungering for this as much as we hunger for sports and school and boys and girls. This is the word of God and it lasts forever. I love you guys so, so much. Let's pray. 
Father, I do not want anyone in here to feel like this is condemnation or legalism. It's a heavy topic for me because it is so serious, Father. This is your eternal word. And so please stir us up. Please help us love you more. Give us an insatiable appetite for your word like we have never had before, Father. I pray that there just becomes an absolute revival in this church, an absolute revival among this generation, an absolute revival inside of me and every single boy and girl in here who struggles with anxiety and depression, who does not know who they are in your sight, and therefore they do not know who they are around this world. Because, Father, these are your sons and your daughters, and if they do not know you, help them come to know you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Word. Thank you, Casey, aka Jogging Jesus, getting deep and pursuing and shining truth. I love the way he opened up about the ocean's currents and the ways of the world. There are no absolute truths. Oh, saying there is no absolute truth is, well, an absolute truth. <laughs> so put that into your intellectual pipe and smoke it. More to ponder, by the way, as you look in the mirror. Are you your own God? If yes, well, so is Kim Jong-un, Stalin, Lenin, Karl Marx, and every narcissist you know. Just think of the worst dictators. By the way, confession, I, you think I'm picking on you. Well, hey, when I'm at my worst, I'm absolutely definitely leaning more towards being my own God. That's true. Uh, my, my own selfish ambitions, my ego, my pride, or just, just where I want to indulge. So I'm not just picking on you. It's something we all need to ponder every day. And if you haven't made God your God, and you want to strive to do so, will you bow your head and repeat after me, God, I'm sorry when I make myself my own God. Those moments weren't pretty. And when I heard Casey, he said that you love me even with those flaws. Thank you. That is amazing. And I'll gladly receive your love and gift of Jesus for eternal life. This world is broken. So am I, but with you, I am made whole. And I'll strive to better tune in each day, praying and reading your word to better understand what is right and true. Amen. If you have a question for Casey, or for any of us for that matter, you can reach us at frydudes.com. Just go to the contact page, fill out that little form. And uh, just to let us know in the, in the question box there, fill up that form and we will relay. Now, ending on a song note, this is Love by We Are Messengers. If you dig, please add it to your I Need to Feel More Love playlist. Now go, make God your God. Less of you, more of Jesus, love others. Yeah, everybody hurt sometimes, I know that's what they say. But right now it seems this loneliness won't go away. Can anybody feel this heartache? Is anyone around? Feels like we're running round in circles, we can't catch a breath. We can't enjoy the moment when we always want what's next. Yeah. Just when I can't take no more. It's when I hear you say, don't hang your head when you get lonely.
down, there's nowhere I can hide From the one who gave his life so I could get back mine yeah. So when you can't take no more Look up and hear him say Don't hang your head when you get lonely Sustains all of my life. You are the one that I run to. In you, I am satisfied. Oh, your mercy is new every morning. Your grace sustains all of my life. You are the one that I run to. In you, I am satisfied. Don't hang your head when you get lonely. And don't go thinking of the only one that can get. 